Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again and welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting at UBC from the unceded Musqueam Territory. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this will be episode 185. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And it's, it's been a, a fun weekend. I've seen three live football matches: WFC two win on Saturday. Division 3 VMSL playoff battle on Saturday night that had three players sent off, four goals, two players carried off. Division 2 championship clinching game in VMSL this afternoon. Burnaby Metro selects winning that. And yeah, it was, it was a, a great footballing weekend. Unfortunately, the only thing to really spoil it was the Whitecaps MLS side. And unfortunately, we are a Whitecaps podcast, so we kind of have to talk about that. So we're we're gonna we're gonna start by talking, I guess, about the two games that's taken place in the last week. We're gonna kick things off with some chat about Tigris. We'll go in chronological order. Yeah, um, just some quick thoughts about that. Kind of weird because when the draw was made and after the first leg, you you basically didn't really give the Whitecaps too much of a hope. But now that we're out of the competition, kind of feel a little bit. A little bit disappointed, really, that at how it ended because you, you just feel there was a little bit more than could have been done and we could have got through that tie. Especially when you consider the way the goals were allowed and um, the chances we had because there were a number of chances we had on both, uh, in, actually both games. There was opportunities to score on the road and um, especially after the, uh, after the break, uh, that chance that I think uh, Bola. Bola had and uh, that was a great stop by them. It's just a little bit here and there. Like for the amount that people are talking about, Otigris was so phenomenal. Anything, I think the Whitecaps had a chance in, in those two games. Football is a, a sport of fine lines. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, like you mentioned, not getting anything in, in the away match, uh, whether that be a clean sheet and or away goals, was massive. Uh, I agree with you, though, Michael. Going into the game, there was hope. I, I think is the best, is the best word to, to call it. There was like this glimmer of hope. There was like this. Okay, sure, we're down. But I think there's a chance that somehow we might be able to to pull this off. Now, obviously, it increased after the first three minutes, and too. totally, yeah. yeah. When 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 Shea scored, it was like wow, and there was real hope. And then the, the first half, I think, played out, and we didn't we didn't create many more 
super quality chances. But again, when that second half kicked off, you were like, you know, you wanted to start to believe again. Like one more goal, we're equal on goal, we're equal on goal, we're equal on on aggregate. And yeah, there was there was those moments of hope. But ultimately, I think you know, aside with the more quality, ended up you know showing that and and getting a four one aggregate win that I think is respectable. And I think. You know, I think there's a lot of positives to take from it. It essentially took a, a, a world-class strike in order yeah. to put the Whitecaps away uh, by Gignac. Um and that was like that was a phenomenal goal too. I mean, it started so good. I mean, to everyone had talked about you wanted to get that early goal to get yourself back in the tie. Three minutes in, you get that goal, and you're thinking, "Wow, this really, really could happen," and. It seemed to be at the start of the second half when Bolanius did have that chance. That seemed to be the thing that gave Tigris the kick up the ass. The it was the thing that basically they were like, "Crap! This this team could actually get back in this. We kind of need to step up a gear." And then the next fifteen minutes they just dominated. And then once Gignac got that goal, it, it was it was all over. There, there was never going to be any way back. Even if the Caps had scored the next goal, they, they weren't going to get back into it. And Tigris basically could manage the game just just the way they want. But the the question to ask both you guys is, obviously, Brickshay got his first goal as a white cap three minutes in. Two minutes later, he's down injured. Then he's off the pitch. Do you think it would have made any difference if he hadn't got injured? Would he have been somebody that could have been a a difference maker or was the writing always on the wall? I, I th- It would have been interesting to see if he could have contributed more. I think Brickshay, I think, showed some of his swagger. Uh, to start that game, not just the goal, and I think it was a really, uh, it wasn't like an amazing finish, but I think it was a quality finish for for just the he showed his maturity, he showed his his quality, and just the way he waited and paused to finish it and to make sure it was gonna find the back of the net. But also his celebration, did you see his celebration? Yeah, he did like the he did like a like what I, the Icelandic I, team had done. They did that kind of was it the, the it was fish? fish yeah. It wasn't the fish. I think it was the fish. I okay. This is I I haven't looked at it like many many times, but my my interpretation was he was doing a dive, mimicking his dive in the in the in the in the, in the first leg, oh, and that he, could be he, good. he stopped and kind of fell. And it, it, to no, me, that would have been good. I just thought he was a keen fisherman. Well, he is a keen fisherman, so I thought he was doing the fish thing. No, the fish thing you need like the whole team on board. You can't just do that by yourself. Like you got to get guys around. The guys can't yeah. crowd you like they did on that. So I might be totally wrong, yeah. but that, that was my interpretation of what he was doing. There was a and, funny tweet going around though that folk had got that as a gif, and it was like. Amazingly, this isn't how he injured himself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it would have been interesting to see what happened because it really felt like coming off the red card, um, getting the early goal, it felt like, okay, he maybe has something to prove or he wants to show his yeah. worth or whatever. And it was like exciting. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about just the, the whole Whitecaps injuries in the second part, but it, it, was, a, it was a tough one. Alfonso Davies wasn't going to start that game, didn't start that game because that was the game you needed the experienced guys and then if you were still in it by the hour mark or whatever, you bring someone like Alfonso on that can run at them. He he looked tired mm. out there and Robo admitted afterwards he was tired and it's like, the the danger is our creativity is nil. Davies is the only guy that's been giving us anything. We're going to run him into the ground if we don't watch. Uh you disagree with that? I, I disagree with that. I think I think the key I think Davies is 
has been amazing and, and offers a lot. I think the creativity, and we saw it in the L.A. game, and we saw it in parts in the in the Tigris match, comes from Bola, comes from a guy who wants the ball played to feet, who can create. He's not crazy fast, but he's he's tricky. He knows how to when to change the pace. Like you even saw on on his on his chance that he got got saved in, he started the play on like virtually the the left touch line, yeah, and he finished it with a shot at the at the right po- at the right post. Uh, I think he's. I think, he, and I don't know. We'll talk about this maybe a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where he's at. If, if but, yeah. but to me, he's he he's things a, to talk about ball in the in the second. Part. Yeah. So he's he's the to me he's the fulcrum of the attack r- right yeah. right now with no Reina and and no and no one else. Which is then kind of worrying because he didn't travel then to the game on Saturday because right. he's got a knee injury. But we'll come to the injuries yeah. in the second half. So, so I, but I agree with you though, that Davy Davies coming on did remove this second half weapon. Like th- th- yeah. that th- losing Shea in, in uh, who looked like he was in form and then not having Davies as a second half option was, took away the hope, began to take away the hope. And I think, I don't know if you guys mentioned because I was doing something else, but um, like Breck Shea, um, uh, like he, when he got off, it might have affected the players too. Because they're going in with a solid plan, yeah. and when they're going uh, when it was a solid plan, something changes. It kind of throws everything off, and maybe that, that affected them a little bit in that second half. Is Steve allowed to promote his online business? Well, no, well, no. I'm running the boards here, <laughs> as you tweeted out that picture like last week. I, I got to do some other stuff behind here. It's, it, it, is, it is really hard to to do the boards and talk, right. as I find out. Um, so yeah, four one. The the longest cup run in Whitecaps history is over. The two years is gone. If you look back, just really at the Champions League aspect of it, what what's your overriding thoughts on on just this second foray into the Champions League? First time we've made the the knockout stages, got to the semis. Looking back on it, what what do you take from it? Well, I, I think the comparison between just the Champions League campaigns, the the two that we've had. Is honestly, it felt like this. The first one, we did not take it serious enough, and I think that that was seen in the the, the lineups that were put out. Uh, I think that it was. Uh, I think it was it was. I want to say it was Seattle at home first in the first one. It was, and yeah. and and we needed to have the strongest lineup in that game possible. And then if you lose that, okay, then you can you can change things up because it's probably over because you've lost to Seattle. You've lost at home. Um, so I felt like I felt like the difference between the two is that we took the second one more seriously, and that, that doesn't mean we, you know, our top players are playing every minute, but um, we took it more seriously. There was enough of a sprinkle of uh, our best players in there to go with the younger guys. It wasn't just all second year to, yeah. to yeah. get all to get all twelve points yeah, we, we to top the group. Nine, ten, eleven no. changes. Yeah. We to- we topped the group. We had Unbeaten. a goal. We had a goal difference that put us at the number one seed. Yeah. yeah. I think though. I, mean, I think that's the the biggest achievement. Like to totally to be it's the a, number one seat in was, this tournament. That's fantastic. T- Tigris had to upset us to make yeah. the, the, the final. <laughs> but I, I, to me, it's like the other thing when I think about this this uh, this go around. And I know some people have been talking like this is somehow a negative or this somehow is a hindrance to people engaging in the, in the competition as a whole. But for me, one of the beautiful things is I look back and this was twenty three months, like yeah. it, 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 which. It, I know for some people that it's hard to grasp or understand for some reason or whatever, but to learn a different sporting culture, the the sporting culture that is football. But to me, that was a beautiful thing. Like 
uh, a guy, Matt from from uh, Calgary, a guy, a Whitecaps supporter in Calgary who comes out for games and goes to games. We have Edmonton was tweeting after the game like, "Oh, I was there at the beginning of it all, right?" And it was just like go to go back and look at twice he was out there. At the yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think he came up with the. First, I'm oh, not sure he came up the first time, but no, there was the snow game, there was yeah. the game, the one all game here, then the game in in in, uh, in Edmonton when Matias Laba got the extra time winner. It was it was and that kicked it all off, and then yeah. you know, so it's like. It's not just one. It's not just the the two games against Tigers. It's not just the knockout round. It's not just the the group stage and the knockout round. It's like this big journey that we've been on, which included lifting a trophy. So it's the, our first Voyagers Cup. So for me, it, it was incredibly special, incredibly meaningful, and I always have fond memories of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I asked Robo after the game on Wednesday, like what his his thoughts were of the last two years, and he he said he couldn't even remember last week. So he didn't really get much of an answer on that, but. The last thing just to mention in this part about the Tigris game and the whole Champions League is we've had that experience now. And we'll talk about attendance and fans and stuff in the second part, but we've had this experience. What does that do now going forward? We want to make sure that we win the Voyagers Cup this year so we can be in the playoff with TFC. Is it something that you think everyone at the club is wanting to have again? Or is it still kind of going to be seen as a bit of a nuisance? To the MLS campaign, uh, I think you know half a dozen of one, six of another. You know, like I think for some people, yeah, it's going to be uh, a priority. Some people, it's going to be an important thing. I think for other people, it will be something that does take away from what is the 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 easiest thing to to communicate, the easiest thing to market, the easiest thing to get people excited about. Um, but uh, that doesn't matter to me. It, it it needs to be a priority for the people who are most important, which which is our technical staff, which is our, our coaching staff. As long as they go about things in a, in a similar way that they did with this last camp, with this last group stage campaign, if they do that with the Voyagers Cup this year, with an intent to go out and beat Montreal and the beat the winner of Toronto, Edmonton, Ottawa, uh, that'll show how that, that is ultimately we'll we'll know how serious the, the important people are taking it. Yeah, and I I, I agree. I, I think they, they they need to go after this. It gives them um, not only a chance to get more games for the younger players to weed them in. Um, it also if you if you the more you advance in this, the more you uh, you know that allocation money they get, and they can use that to get better players and pay stuff down. So it, it does give them a little bit more in that. Totally. Do we know? So this is, I, I've just read I, cursorily. I haven't read fully, but the the two hundred thousand dollars for making the semifinals is that something just our club gets? Does it have to go through MLS? As far as I know, the club get it, and that's from Concacaf. So yeah, it's not right. They, they get their MLS payment on top of that and everything as well. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. Yeah. And then uh, the final. You need to spend it wisely as well. We'll come to in the second part. And to finish that off, I, the one thing I'd like to see them do is, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Obviously, Obviously, but they need to. Um, um, I don't know if you want to say market it better, but they need to uh, just uh, tweak a few things that are off the pitch. Uh, yeah. and, and we'll get we'll get to yeah, that afterwards. We'll, we'll, that's no. going to be in the second. We'll, we'll get the second yeah. half. Yeah. So, just the last thing to mention about this: couple of tweets I want to read out here from Chris Corrigan, our our writer at AFTN at Salish C eighty six on Twitter. He says the Champions League run started the whole GTFC hashtag, which and our version of it is get the effing cup. And it also stands for Grimsby Town Football Club. And it, that was a hashtag that brought a relationship between Southsiders and, and Grimsby Town supporters. And for Chris, it's been a, a fun two years. 
But he also adds as well that the Champions League, it's all about the meaning that you bring to it yourself as a supporter. If you're not interested in it, fine. If it means a lot to you like it does to us, great. It's not going anywhere. Just think, if they just checked that hashtag before, they could have avoided their that connection to Grizzlies. <laughs> That's I, it. I say that, I say that jokingly because <laughs> I know that's been meaningful. Guys have gone. I think it was Steve. One of uh, I think Steve Kavanaugh. I think went over yeah, for like their their. their uh, There's been stuff in the program. Yeah, c- a cup, so, cup yeah. match or whatever. It, it's been fantastic. Yeah, but of course that was the first of the games this week. And Saturday, Whitecaps headed down to Utah, and. It's been it's been a winter of snow for us, yeah. Yes, yeah, snow apocalypse, snow Mageddon. Vancouver's had more snow than I can remember in the last ten years of me living here. So we finally got rid of that. So just as soon as we get rid of it in Vancouver, Vancouver head down to the snow in Salt Lake, and it was a farcical game. But before we even get into it, just something I want to ask both you guys. Now I'm from the UK. We have snow. I've been at games where it snowed and the game's been abandoned. I've been at games where it snowed just before kickoff and the game hasn't even started. I was at one horrendous game which should never have finished, but the snow basically came on in the last 15 minutes and they, they just kept that going. Now, we've seen before in MLS, they don't like postponing games, they don't like abandoning games, partly because of the travel, the mm. cost, everything like that, primarily money and TV. They played that Minnesota game earlier this season that should never have gone ahead. So the fact that they did that, I knew they were never going to abandon this game. But do you think the game should have finished? Should that game on Saturday against Salt Lake have been abandoned? For me, yes. Yeah, well, we, I was watching my li- a few guys came over after the WFC two game. Half a dozen of us watching my living room, and uh, Adrian, Adrian was like, "Yeah, there's no way this game is going to go the distance because." Yeah. There, it's too much, and that was when I was like, "Dude, there's hardly any snow." I was like, "This is not. It's not playing Edmonton FC. Yeah. It's going to be fine." But uh, I wouldn't have been surprised. I, I mean, as the game went on, other guys in the room were like, "Oh yeah, I hope they call it now. I hope they call it now." And I was like, "Well, they're past the time where if they call it now, we're going to get a loss. So, might as well keep playing. Might as well keep playing." Yeah, no, and I was watching it with uh, family members who don't watch too much MLS, and they were going, "Why aren't they calling it?" Yeah, my wife and, was the same. She was like, "What?" And I, I joked around with them. I was like, "Because they are their parents of soccer, like the kids and everything." I go, "I guess their parents didn't complain long enough <laughs> or hard enough to get this canceled." Um, I think this is a little bit of revenge on RSL's part because it was RSL who was going to visit the Whitecaps <laughs> when they had that fake grass uh, or the grass put yeah. on top of turf at Empire and it got called off. So this is a little Man bit of revenge. And I think also just to make another point, you were talking about the Whitecaps. I'm almost sure that the Whitecaps were never in town when it actually snowed here. I think they were in Wales the whole time, uh. if I'm not mistaken. The, I could be wrong, yeah. but I think they were. I don't. And think then they, they were, were down here. in Portland. Yeah, yeah, so I don't think they were here during the whole snowstorm. One thing. One thing about that about that day that the the Man City RSL yeah, grassing yeah. was. We, so we went to the stadium hours and hours before the game, and and you know it was got called off. So Massimo, Devin, Rowcliffe, and myself jumped in. Massimo's car and drove to the PDL game against Kitsap Pumas. It was just great to go to see a game in Kitsap. Yeah, even though we lost three 0 or whatever, but it was it was we made a good day of they it. They were a powerhouse team. They were. So let's look at the debacle that was the RSL game. First thing we have to look at, I guess, the the big surprise that Carol Robinson sprang, and it seemed to surprise everyone because I was listening to the pregame show on the radio coming back from the WFC two game. 
and it caught all the radio guys out. 3-5-2 formation, three centre-backs, three defensive midfielders. You'd think with that we could actually defend, but that's something else that we'll come to. It didn't work. I've been calling for a 3-5-2 for ages. I've had several chats with Rob over the last couple of years where I've been saying, why don't you go 3-5-2? Why don't you try that? And what he's always said to me is that he'll play 3-5-2 if he feels he has the right personnel to do it. And for that, he wants really fast wing-backs. So someone like Sam Adekugbe was like made for that. Jake Nowinski kind of seems like he could be made for that as well. Mm. And he, he feels that he'd have to have three solid centre-backs to do that. They need to do a bit of practice. He said, I could never play it without trying it in training. Or there's a pre-season. Your pre-season, <laughs> everything like that. Then, out of the blue, you're playing a 3-5-2. I've never, that I can remember, see them practicing that at training. Now, I'm not at every training session. But, but the amount of training have, sessions I've been at over the last couple of weeks, I've never seen a 3-5-2. Even if you weren't there, somebody would have seen it, somebody would have talked oh, yeah, about it. Oh, yeah, somebody would have said, oh, they're trying a 3-5-2 today. And the fact that you're saying that the radio or the radio people or the TV people... God, the radio folk were yeah. completely surprised so by it. They usually do interviews with the coaches yeah. before they go on these trips to find out what, you know, to talk about, uh, have topics to talk about and everything. And if that's not mentioned, yeah. then, you know, they're surprised. Robo said afterwards that basically they didn't have a lot of time to work on it. Why would you do that then? It's like... Especially he, in an RSL. Yeah, like, he's going to say it was there. because of the personnel he had available. And that's nonsense because the team which I thought was going to go out was a set 4-2-3-1. And the personnel was there to do it. Whether you had Jordan Harvey or De Jong as the left back, Norwinski was always going to be the right back. And then two of the centre backs. There was no need to, to risk a 3-5-2. Okay. I hear you saying that you're concerned about that this did not work. I, I I think it's harsh to say that something can't work for us after one match, especially one match in what we've already just said was really poor conditions. And now now I know that I know that it wasn't a great, amazing first half, uh, but I think. I think everything that happened in the second half, and I think both goals, when you look at the first two goals, they were almost mirror images of different of our central defenders getting beat on cutbacks in snow. Yeah, which Robo did say afterwards that those conditions for big centre-backs was not... They, basically, they were too big to try and turn in those conditions. Right. So, and then the third and the third goal was our our keeper came for a ball, which he didn't get. And who knows how, if the snow if, if the snow played any any caused him any issue in in getting as high as he wanted to for that cross on on, on that on that corner, right? And so, I I accept all those things, and then I'll turn that around and say to you, yeah, second half we lost those goals in those conditions. You can't blame the three five two for that, although you can blame the fact that we only had two players at the back for the first goal. But then you have to look at the first half where we could have been 5 nothing down at half-time. Plata could have had a hat-trick in the first 20 minutes. He was throwing... Well, Sussian was... had two great chances. I think Plata was thrown off by his new hairstyle and those, those lines on the side of his head. <laughs> and also throwing snowballs at, at Tim Parker, <laughs> which there was a question um, posed on that. Do we think that Disco will review that and give a suspension to Plata for throwing a, a snowball at was Tim that, Parker? Was, was that Plata or somebody? Oh, that was Plata. Oh, was it or... Um, I don't think so. He's, he's it was a, it was kind of a 
half toss. I don't think it was that much. Of he a was more ball. accurate throwing the snowball though than he was in front of goal. <laughs> but she was thankful for the Whitecaps because the Whitecaps were dreadful in that first half. And you can't blame the conditions. Yeah, the, the, and you they uh, were ripped apart. Okay, and, but again, that's with three center backs and three holding midfielders. Yeah, too. yeah. Okay, and again, so again, that's the first time playing a formation in a game. However much they have or haven't trained in it, uh, to me, it's not something I would throw out and say, "Oh my goodness, they can never do that again." No, I'm not saying no. that. Yeah. Okay, I'm okay. saying okay. we, we, we need much. better personnel if we're going to do that, and the personnel we currently have showed last night that basically they, they can't do that. I, I think there's, I, I, I think, I think the three center backs, uh, on a normal day, I think, I would try that with them again. Um, I think Marcel, the further up the pitch Marcel is, is the better, the better off he is. Um, and you're right, uh, th- that formation is made for someone like a Sam, and I think Jordan is somewhere between Sam and Marcel in terms of in terms yeah. of those things. Yeah, he uh, would have struggled last night as well. I, He's not having a good. Good season to begin with. Yeah, and so I, I, but I regret. I think Jake. I think Jake would would could flourish. In, I thought Nerwinski was probably our best player last night. I thought he had a great game. Uh, there did seem confusion on a number of occasions, though, with Nerwinski and De Jong, and especially with Christian Dean. Christian Dean, I thought struggled. Yeah, I thought he to, had a diff- out of all the players, he had the most difficult time. The, the shape in the first half. Somebody sent me a message going, are you sure they're playing three at the back? I'm like, it's a 3-5-2. Yeah. Because you looked at that shape and sometimes there was four, sometimes there was five, sometimes there was three. And it felt like De Jong and Nowinski just didn't know when they were meant to be back, when they were meant to be going forward. Christian Dean had a nightmare. It's the worst game I've seen him play at any level for the Whitecaps. No, and I-, I, I love Christian. I'm rooting for him. I thought he had a great first game. But that, that he had a nightmare. Like sometimes I thought, honestly, not knowing it was, uh, like uh, the like I said, I was watching it uh, with a bunch of family. We weren't really paying attention too much in the first half. I had to go back to watch that. Um, but uh, I thought I, I had no idea we were playing a, uh, a three uh, man at the back. I thought I wasn't sure if Christian Dean was playing left back. Sometimes I saw him as a centre back, and sometimes I saw him as holding midfielder. He was like up the field while the centre backs were way back here. So I was very confused about what Christian Dean was doing. I had no idea Tim Parker was even on the field sometimes. Oh, that was a little bit to do with the snow. I want to read some tweets from uh, Mark Rogers. Ex-professional player, knows the centre-back position inside and out. I love his analysis after games, especially when he's like breaking down the freeze frames on the TV. And the first one, he broke down the the freeze frame for that goal where there was basically two guys back and said, if you can't manage the gaps, you can't play a back three. It's terrible, and the Titanic could float through the hole. It was that big. That was the part where it didn't even look like a back three. There yeah. should be no gaps a on a back at three. That point. Yeah, there should be no gaps at all on a back three. But then he followed up by saying, either, Was- either Waston doesn't have a clue how to play on the right side of a back three, or Norwinski doesn't know that they switched to a back four for the second goal, because Dean went off and they were meant to have gone to back four. But Nerwinski was still piling forward, yeah. and you were left with a back three that just simply wasn't working. And he, he, I totally agree with this last one, which is, don't tell me it's because of the snow. I'm not hearing it. <laughs> they got exposed twice before the goal on cross-field passes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's all, fair, that's all fair, criticism, fair criticism. I think, though, there are some people who were calling this bef- before, 
before the before T Grizz's game. This is a throw throw it was a throwaway game. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that's how I feel about it. When you're playing the a winless team that's at the bottom of the conference, exactly. yeah, you expect to get points from that. Yes, mm. they've got a new coach. Yes, they're really motivated because they haven't got a win. You can see both sides of it. But this, when you look at the schedule that's coming up, and we'll come to that in the second part, but when you look at that schedule that's coming up, this was the most winnable game in the next six weeks. And that's the terrifying part of it. Because we could have lost that game 5-6-0, and it could have been our biggest ever loss in MLS. Yeah, and uh, I think we were mentioning before we uh, got on the air... there easily could have been three goals at the halftime yeah. before the snow even hit. Could have been so, four or five because yeah. Sissi and he had that one from six now, yards out. And then before that, Usted fumbled the shot yeah. from him that could have gone anywhere. No, no. Mm. Uh, we talked about the defense, but going forward, there was nothing going on either. No. Um, Montero barely got any service. Um, there was. N- yeah. I saw a good tweet today about that, how yeah. he's not getting service, but he's not bitching about it. He's not yeah. like throwing hissy fits on the pitch like other strikers that we've seen on our team as well. Yeah, and he, and the thing is, he's creating more than he's, he's getting service. To. Yeah, he's having to. And the, but the thing is, he, then he gets no support from the other players yeah. going forward. So it's it's a difficult thing right now for him. Um, to there doesn't seem like everybody's on the same page in attack. Your 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 new best friend, um, Gideon Hill, uh, Gideon Hill twelve on Twitter asked. About our, our striker on Saturday is uh, he says he's an exceptional player. He says he's an exceptional player, uh, but by strengthening what position, attacking mid or or big striker, does he better succeed? So what what do we need to bring in? I mean, he's he's always looked better to me as a second striker. But when we spoke to him before the season started, when he first came here, he said he's totally comfortable playing the lone striker, the number nine, and that's what he did it, over in Portugal. I don't think just yesterday. I think there's been a number of times, like number of spells so far this year, where I think he's looked lost, like on an yeah. island with serv- with minimal service, with no serve, whatever. That's obviously an issue. But like he just hasn't found a way to get into games. No, I mean, uh, the only sniff he really had yesterday was the ball that De Jong sent in in the first half. But he had three players around him, and yeah. he just couldn't make room to try and the, get in the end of it. The, the best he's looked is when he's had a, a the, a, the person he's had most chemistry with. I thought is Bola. Um, yeah. uh, uh, when they're both on the pitch together, and uh, especially in the uh, second half LA game. That's when it looked the best. Uh, so against New York, him and Davies linked up well, though. Yeah. As well, they, I mean, I was so excited because it's like the two of them just seemed right on the same page, page right away. So they need to but, get some combination of that going yeah. forward in our regular basis. The, the other problem, Corrigan says we need an attacking midfielder. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're going to well, discuss. What, we got Rayner yeah. coming back. Yeah. We're going to look but, at what we need to bring in in the second part. But N- Nicholas Mosquito also got the start. Yeah. As a striker, striker. I guess, yeah. if we're looking at the formation that they played. And again, for me, you could have gone easily with a a four two three one with Mosquito as the ten or on the left wing if you're playing the de- young at left back. And then it gives a chance for Bustos to, to get a game. Kyle Gregg up front with possibly Montero as the ten even. It's like yeah. you had so many options that you didn't have to do that three five two in that game. But Mosquito and I've said this before, I just don't see, I just don't really see what he offers the team when he's a starter. He's just not starting material to me. Every time he starts, I feel he struggles. Yes, he was invisible. I know other players were invisible as well, but he's the guy that's meant to be there 
to create stuff and not be invisible. They were especially invisible with those white kits in the snow. Yeah, in the that, that, it, really it was like it was like. Had they not had they not put the blue the blue had they not put those triangles on it would have been perfect camouflage. That's what I was thinking too. I thought the blue triangles. Do you know I I I haven't actually been that up close to the strip because every time we've done the post game interviews or the. The they're scrums dressed, are training, yeah. they're, they're wearing tracksuit tops or whatever. I think you're, you're really Yesterday about nausea. at the WFC2 game, I was chatting to the guys after the game and I was like right face to face with it. It's even more hideous than I thought it was up close. It just, oh. Anyway. It's very I'm, poor. Don't start me on that. So, second part of the show. Not going to be a happy part, possibly. Well, definitely. We kind of need to look at really where the Whitecaps are right now and. What, what's next for the team? The talk on Wednesday night was Champions League campaigns done. For the next few games, full focus on the league. MLS play. We've got some Voyagers Cup games coming up next month. But the game in Salt Lake was the first of five away games from the next six. And it's a, it's a tough spell. We had Salt Lake on Saturday. Seattle this Friday. Mm-hmm. Then it's Portland away. Then you're away to Montreal. Mm. Then you're away in the altitude of Colorado. Then you're away to the heat of Houston. Then you're hosting Sporting Kansas City. Then it's the Voyagers Cup. That is a tough stretch of games coming up. I know. It's difficult. (laughs) Uh, You you really put it out there. Um, I I think, you know, but the thing is, there's very few midweek games here. Um, yeah, till the, till the Voyagers Cup. Yeah, till the Voyagers Cup. They can deal with it. Yeah, they've um, got a whole week to re- to kind of mull over the defeat they've had. The the thing is, they gotta really just not worry about that right now and just take that next Seattle game. Um, I know. Uh, My w- God, you're sounding like Robo. <laughs> I know. Well, oh, I, but, can't look. Can't look past the first game. No, but like, that is how they approach. Like, oh, yeah, I know. but you, but I know. I know. To. I know. We as uh, fans are looking at this, the schedule. Yeah. Also, so Robo isn't it, like. Not publicly, Robo's not just looking game at a time either. No, I know, he, and he isn't, and he said that in the past too, because he's got a, an idea of who he wants to play in what game. So he know he he sees what what's coming up, and he's going to do that. But they really need to focus on the Seattle game because that's a big one. That's a huge one. Um, just not only because it's their rival, but because it's a Western Conference team. They can't take that one, and it's coming up quickly too. It's, it's oh, not like maybe that much time. And to turn defending around. MLS Cup winners. Yeah, I mean, possibly a bigger, bigger team in a bigger game than Tigris. But we're the def- we're the defending Cascadia Cup champions. Oh, it's all in the line for real. It's like gold everywhere. Wait, so let me put like this for you in a language you guys speak. So this is like the the WWF champion versus the Intercontinental champion is that, is that yeah that, oh that how you see when well, I was a kid I, I would say well, yeah as a kid but now it would be the, the WWE champion against the Universal champion uh, whatever so it's basically Randy Orton against Brock Lesnar and you kind of have to feel Seattle as the Brock Lesnar here that was my olive branch they're going to f five us for your wrestling all over the place on Twitter Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World. He said Robinson's post-game comments, he was talking about learning something about the players from against RSL. So he's wondering who's going to get benched, who's going to get cut. And if you look at the team that started against RSL, a lot of those guys aren't going to be starting against Seattle. But we do have to look at 
what is needed to strengthen this team. We've got the allocation money from the Kikuta trade. Bobby was nice enough to tell everyone that they're going after a striker. <laughs> We've not heard a sniff of who that striker might be. I'm still pushing the Robbie Keane rumours. I, I still think Robbie's coming. What, when, when's the deadline again? May. May. So we, we, we have got time. What's the, what's the deadline to use up? Do we, do we have a deadline to use up the the relief we get for Edgar being out for the season? I that probably be May, I'm assuming. I thought it was like Maybe the end of April, beginning of May. Something like it that. It might be the same yeah. May date. How urgent is it, though, to, to bring in new faces? Like, I mean, is it May Day? Yeah, like, May it's Day. Like, <laughs> how, how urgent is it to bring in these guys? Do we need to make an addition this week to strengthen the team? I don't think uh, Do we need to add the striker this week? I yeah. I, even if they did, I don't know how much you, how much would he play. It depends on where he's coming from. If he's coming within MLS, sure. It, he could definitely make a difference. If he's coming from outside... Um, it depends on what league and what we're part of the season they're in. We've got to look at the injuries. We've lost Tartaro. We don't know exactly for how long, but we know it's weeks. We've lost Shea for 6 to 12 weeks. Ooh. Reina's not back till July. Brett Levis isn't back till July. I heard, Edgar's out for the season. I heard Kakuda has Columbusitis. <laughs> He's gone for the year. Uh, yeah, Whitecap Scarf was asking asking this very question on, on Twitter. Is you know, do we believe the Caps need to make a signing ASAP? And if so, in, in what position? Uh, obviously, position they publicly. One of them has publicly said that yeah, they're looking at a striker. But I would I would now say is the left wing position now mm, yeah. vital to us, or do we have enough with Davies, Mosquita? And, and to share yeah, there's no way that Rosales there's no there's no the way they're going to bring in an, another another no. left winger the, one of the interesting things is that aside from Edgar and and Brett Leva Levi Levis Brett, Brett Brett uh, aside from uh, David <laughs> and Brett who were injured last year or, or last year in the off season all the injuries we've had this year are to attacking players and so it, it, it's understandable that they're looking to bring in an attacking player when you only have two choices up front that's not a good thing. Whether you're playing with one striker or with two, and you only yeah. have two options, and, and one of those choices hasn't played a single MLS minute yet. Touche. So uh, I don't. Uh, I th- Although I do think he should have played against RSL, and not just because I didn't have viewed him and done a big article on it. I feel <laughs> Rob will let me down there. I'll yeah, sp- I'll speak to him on Tuesday. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he just did that just to despite just to spite you. Probably. I am quite annoying to him. <laughs> Asking him about jam and chocolate digesters and stuff. And, I think ga- and jam and tam. Yeah. Um, no, do they need to bring in someone? I think they're actively trying to bring someone in. I don't know how how quickly is that going to happen. Who knows? Because, you, because parameters yeah, do change. But you know, Robert's going to get asked on Tuesday, <laughs> are you looking to bring a striker in? Are you looking to strengthen the team? And have this on our bingo card. So we're going to do a new 2017 bingo card, I think, this week. And one of the big ones to have on that is Robo being asked that question. Are you looking at strengthening the team? So it'll be one square. And then a square beside it of him answering, we're always, always looking, looking to strengthen the, the team. team. Yeah. 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 And they are. They should be. Total, totally. If they're not, they're not doing their job. It has to be a striker that, that, that gets brought in. We definitely need that. The well, problem we have is we've spent big money on bringing like Breck Shea injured, Jordy Rayner injured, we can't spend big money on a guy that might not be a regular starter or make one of those guys not a regular starter when they're healthy. Yeah. But the flip side of that is we can't wait until these guys are back in the summer because 
our season, if we if the next run of games goes horribly wrong, that's a lot to try and make up. And I know Seattle did it last year, but it's not easy to do. Now, I like I know what you're saying about the um, you know when they come back healthy. I don't think you need to. Wor- I don't think you have the ability to worry about that right now. You have to. Whoever they bring in has to fix help fix the team right now. When Reyna and Shea and um, whoever else is injured, it comes back, then you deal with that at that time, whether you ship them out or you kind of spread the minutes around. But at this point, you have to uh, get bring in the best player who fits the team and what they need to do in order to fix the attack. I, yeah. First off, I think we need to put a we need to put to bed the use of the Seattle last year, Portland the year before had a terrible beginning, and, and I, know, it came I just back. like saying that. I, I, I hate it as well. Okay, good. Um, I'm just trolling. What, what time? What type of striker do you think they're trying to bring in? Because I, I thought I thought before Kakuda was traded, I thought we had four guys who could play centrally who were so very different. Um, I, I feel we need a guy that is somebody that can play a direct nine. A, soul, a, a guy that you're not relying on to be creative, but you're just relying on putting the ball away. I know we have Montero for that, but I would like to see him a little bit further back. So you're talking about like a more experienced or MLS experienced Kyle? A Robbie Keane kind of guy. I know I'm half joking that that's still on the no, table because you, I do genuinely think it could still be on the table. But like, it sounds like me you want a more experienced Kyle Gregg. Yes, yeah, basically. Okay. I, I want a guy with an eye for goal, but obviously every single team around the world wants that. We're I, not going to spend money. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of strikers that over in the UK, even in the championship, that I would look at and think, oh, they would do a great job here. But that would be costly. Yeah. But the thing is, you also got to think that Montero, is he going to come back next year? Like, you also have to look at that. Maybe this guy they bring in now will be a true. longer That's term thing. Well. That's very true. And then also for Robbie Keane, if you're bringing him in, he might actually be a, a decent solution because maybe he doesn't want, he's not concerned with playing starter minutes. I, and he's happy to come off the bench, uh, start when he needs to and uh, come off the bench I, for like 30 minutes at a time. Totally. I think we said this before, but I think the the Colombian, the only way he's back next year if he's on a, another one-year loan. Yeah. I, I could be wrong about that, but that would be my guess. Yeah. There's no way they're paying any transfer fees or, or anything like that. And the, and a fee would be considerable. It would yeah. be considerable, yeah. I, I think they, they, either they extend his loan for another year um, because uh, the Chinese club wants to just you know avoid the domestic international stuff and, and, and cut their and cut partially cut their losses. Yeah, and then or they just uh, um, uh, just release him or mutual thing, or they bring him back for a full time starter. A name I'm going to put out there: Glass City on Twitter has been going on about this for ages, and I totally agree with him. It would be a good fit here, and we kind of said this after we played Central FC in the Champions League. Oh yeah. Kenman Kenwood Jones, Jones yeah. he's like the perfect guy. He's out of favour at Atlanta. I'm pretty sure they're going to kind of want to offload him as soon as they can because it was brought in before the current regime was there and it's not the guy that they want. He's played on turf. He, he's used to our pitch from playing with Central FC. He's a guy that's got goals. He's a big guy. He's a guy that he's not playing every game just now, so it's like it doesn't matter if he's going to be coming off the bench every now and again. He's not going to get too pissed off at not not being a regular starter. I think he would be a perfect fit for us if we can get him at the right price. 
and Atlanta might be wanting to cut a deal just to get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. How they brought him? He was was he their like very first signing yeah. ever yeah. before Tata Martino came in, and the, then Martino doesn't rate him or doesn't care, doesn't think he fits in with their style. That was essentially a name signing that they wanted to do to get yeah. a ticket sales happening. A guy who like used that. to play in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And well, we joked with him about, oh, he should come and play here instead, and he was he was open for it. Oh yeah, when the central yeah. game, yeah, yeah. So. I, I think that could be a definitely a good one. We also have to address the fact, we kind of touched on it earlier, I feel there's a lack of creativity in the midfield. Oh, you true. feel there is with Belanius, and, and I'm a huge fan of Belanius. He gave a very interesting interview with Harjit Jahal this week, where, if anyone didn't see it, it's on Red Nation Online. You can follow her on Twitter, at her journalist, and, and you can find the link there. But basically, Robo out of character for him because he, he doesn't usually criticise players that publicly had said that he was really angry with this, the shape that Bolanius had come into pre-season yeah. and I spoke to Bola in Wales and I didn't get the impression from Bola that he wasn't fit because he said oh I'm good to go or I might be able to play Monday I'm raring to go blah 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 and then I'd said to Robo when I was chatting to him oh Bola said he's probably good to go on Monday and he's like did he now? And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. And then he comes out and says that. And then he, Bola tells Har, yeah, I kind of was playing with Costa Rica. Then I wanted a holiday. And I, I kind of had too much fun with my family. And I didn't come into to training in good shape. He is a World Cup veteran, your most experienced player in the squad. And you're coming in to an important season out of shape. And admitting that you willingly came in out of shape. Because he was bored, exercising. Yeah. That, Tough. That's, that's a, I mean, I, I am a huge fan of Bolanius. He was my player of the year. What he offers the team, I think no other player in the Whitecaps team can do, but that's unacceptable. You could maybe, if a 19, 20-year-old did it, say, well, that's an experience. Still not acceptable, but it's an experience. They'll get a kick up the ass and they'll learn from that. Teixeira came in a lot fitter this year than he did last year. So okay, but that's just not acceptable. I, I don't disagree that it's not acceptable, and I too had some similar experience when I when I talked to him preseason. He was like, "Oh yeah, things are fine. I'll be good to go." But so, what do you do? What do you, what do we do about that, Michael? Like, what, what needs to be done? Obviously, no, obviously, that, see, I was you I was send a message by mentioning, but then you're hurting the team. I was there when I was there when that, that was the Friday press conference before the LA game when when Robo said that to to Har. And he only said that to Harb, or he only said that publicly in the press conference, because he's already said it to Bola. So like he's already he, like that. That to me, this is like a, a report on something that's already kind of happening in the in the rearview mirror in terms of I think the coaching staff and the and the player, right? So I don't I don't I don't think there's any uh, I don't think there's any value in tarring and feathering him over over it now, right? I think we need to. To move forward, what do you what do you think should like? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's out there. It's just it's very disappointing. And the fact as well, he had this knee injury before at preseason, and no one could get to the bottom of what it was. Like it was a niggling thing. It's a little bit like Sam Adekubi's injury. Hmm. It's something that's just not going away. So he had this, and no one could really find out what it was. And now he's out again with a knee injury, injured against Tigris. If he had come in a little bit fitter and healthier, would he have had these problems? 
we don't know, it's just speculation. But it, it's just, it's worrying. He's a guy that we need. And with these games that's coming up, I mean, if we look at the games, like Seattle, Portland, Montreal, Columbus, Houston. Let's just look at those ones. Four in the road, one at home, two Cascadian derbies. What would you see as a good return from those games? From the, the, That's five, right? Yeah. Four of which are on the road. Yeah. Two of them Cascadian derbies. I think you'd want nine, no less than nine. But that's and where are they going to come from? Though? Well, I, I you go- hope you hope Seattle at home, Portland away, and Montreal, Montreal away. Yeah, Montreal away. I I think Montreal away is possibly the only game we get points from. No, I I'd say Seattle at home, Montreal on the road, and you get a point somewhere. I think seven would be fine at this point. If you kind of split the games. Like if, seven if, we, out of 15, if we got seven out of those 15, I would be I think seven, seven is realistic at this point. Wait, you yeah. think that's realistic? I'm not, I'm not saying realistic, uh, acceptable. Okay. Acceptable it, is the word. Yeah. Wait, I think realistic's one. <laughs> I think, I think a, a draw I th- in Montreal. I think pessimistic is oh, one. Pe- I'm, I'm mixing those up. I'm hashtag pessimist union. This is where we, like, you, you make a, some kind of bet with, like, the... If you lose, you get something tattooed somewhere on your body. Is that how this works? Hey, possibly. <laughs> if that was the case, there would be a lot of bets over the past years. Because you, whenever you looked at a schedule, you've always said, "Oh, one or two points maximum." Prove me and wrong, it, White Caps. <laughs> prove me wrong. There was a, there was a gentleman from Middle, the I only, think, from the, Middle from Middle Cascadia, yeah. who during the, af, before before the game, I think it was before the game or even after after Brooke Shea scored, who said he would get Robbo's face tattooed on his face if, if the Whitecaps overcame Degris. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be interesting. Which obviously didn't happen. Two folk but. looking like Carl Robinson going about. <laughs> Defensive concerns. Moving forward, would you strengthen anything defensively or do we keep with what we've got? Do we try and offload Christian Dean? Do we look at Bringing in another centre back since uh, Edgar's out for the season. If they can, uh, the only thing I would think of is if they can bring in a centre back with a little bit of experience. Well, a lot of experience in, within MLS. If they have somebody who's maybe in the final year of their contract that will just play out the year because we obviously you don't have Edgar coming back. So I think that would be the ideal thing to do. And um, other than that, I don't, uh, I, I don't see anything else happening. I, it's just somebody for the rest of the year. I, I do get the impression that they're wanting to see how Sam DeWitt and Francis DeVries do in okay. the USL well, as, as a battle and then maybe bring one of them in in the summer. And I've got to say, Francis DeVries against Seattle for WFC2 on Saturday was excellent. Yeah. He plays centre-back, right? Yeah. Well, they, well, they, they played three at the back as yeah, well to much, that... much better effect. Organizational decision. They <laughs> actually had four centre backs playing because they had they the, had they four, had the yeah. three centre backs. Sam was in front, playing yeah. holding midfield. It was a, it was a great day for formations. Well, yeah. One thing I do want to mention. I know we're not going to be able to talk about WFC two too much, but um, you were talking about uh, players uh, that uh, signed, especially defensively. I honestly think Ben McKendry, um, the, the performance he put in against the, with WFC two and the game against San Jose, where he looked pretty good. I think he needs to be elevated from. He shouldn't be the number five holding midfielder um, in the in the kind of depth chart. I think he should be go up to number three. I think he, or at least number four. I think he's that good at this point. He's better ahead than of Russell. It must be so Russell frustrating. Or, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd I get think, rid of I, Russell in a heartbeat, but you know that. I, I, and I think I, Jacobson is ideal trade bait. Yeah, I, I I think I think he should be moved up. I think I think he's shown enough. He scored a goal on Saturday. 
uh, for WFC two. I think he needs to uh, see more time, either on the bench, off the bench, or starting sometimes. Salish C eighty six says that to be honest, we are so thin right now that mm-hmm. it's a very challenging time. I think we're, we're thin more so at the front, not so much at the yeah. Back. I the thing is, Parker's having a good season. Yeah, Waston's having an up and down season, and. Christian Dean started great, has gone downhill. Harvey's not having a, a great season. There's definitely concerns defensively. We're shipping a lot of goals. I didn't say there wasn't concerns defensively. I just think there's we're not crazy thin at the back. I mean, one, with, with one injuries. clean sheet against Philly. And then you let two goals in against LA. You let three goals in against Salt Lake. Could have been way, way more. You let three goals in against uh, San Jose. Tigris banged in goals against us. Yeah, I, you're, you're, I think we're talking about two different things. I don't think we're thin on players or options of players. We're thin on talent. That's the, that's <laughs> a, I think the, the formation had a lot to do with about the RSL game. Um, I think Tigris, like we said, it was one was a, a, a world-class strike. One was just because we were pushing guys forward. Um, we want to go to L.A. That was like a two-minute uh, brain F. Um, when uh, one was an own goal, when that uh, the French Italian scored like two goals in the, in one, the one of those game. was an own goal. Yeah, so so I I think I think I think you can remember before that LA game they hadn't allowed a goal while playing with eleven men. Yeah, and that's was something we were hanging our hat on. So yeah, I think they're that's okay. all going out the window now. I, you know, I think they're okay, but we haven't had a player sent off for a while either. And that's that's, so that's, that's something I'll talk about, and then we'll we'll go to some more ads. Matthias Laba. So close. Oh. Lucky, lucky yeah. guy. He got the yellow, and then there was a tackle in the first half on the edge of the box where he just went flying in and missed the guy, thankfully. Yeah. If he'd connected, off. And then I think there was about two other tackles after that which yes. had be connected. The half a dozen of us watching in my, in my living room were just flabbergasted that he was not taken off in that double yeah. sub. Like it, it was just... I knew they were going to take Dean off. It, it kind of seemed obvious just because he was toiling. But, he, the, but he, the, he needed of, to come off. None of those fouls, were they street red cards potentially? No. Or were they all no, against, it, it no. Would have been a so second, there's no, there's no disco yellow. issue here at this no. point? Okay. Well, you never I, well, know. Disco. Yeah. There, was, there was a tackle in the first half that didn't get a booking that was horrendous as well. That He just took the guy out. and yeah. Anyway, we're not going to talk too much more because I said this was going to be tighter this week. And before he'd gone to six minutes past midnight. But we were going to talk about the the World Cup bid that's going to be kind of announced tomorrow. The joint bid with America, Canada and Mexico. With Donald Trump as president. Yeah. It's amazing. Will he still be president in 2026? There'll be an election, I think. Will, here. will he still be president in 2018? <laughs> Very good. Um, but we're not going to talk about that just now. We are planning on doing a special roundtable show next Sunday. We're going to do it live. We're going to go for a full two hours. <laughs> Which will be interesting. Yeah. We've never done a roundtable live. No, we've only got three <laughs> mics. We're hoping to have five or six folk in. This is going to be great. Wait, wait. Is, we haven't told Zach about this. This, no, is, this is springing this how, how Is there a mute button for your <laughs> for all the things that... No, 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 we'll be, no we have to be professional. Yeah. We have to be professional. Usually when we do these roundtables, for two hours of roundtables, I think we take about five hours to record. Yeah. Usually it won't be this so time. So I say we're time. going to one, but hey, it's Easter Sunday, Easter Monday the next day. We can just stay up all night. So we're going to talk about the World Cup bid then. And we might bring out a little bit during the week for our premium subscribers. 
which you can get at AFTN.ca. Subscribe to our extra podcast for just $3 a month or $30 a year. So, final kind of white caps bit I want to talk about in this episode is attendances. Wah, wah. Wednesday not, night. Not MLS attendances. Well, kind of all attendances, really, because yeah, we, we haven't had a officially this year. Sell, sold a game out. We did yeah. get a good crowd for LA, but it yeah. wasn't an official sellout. We, we've never officially sold anything out. We've artificially sold <laughs> lots of things out. Are you Bob Mackin? <laughs> yes, I heard, I heard him on the radio this weekend. He was like, the Whitecaps, whatever they announce, minus 2,000. Well, That's the, what he likes coming to. The attendance, well, the attendance at WFC2 yesterday was 738. So if we take 2,000 off that, that will do that's that will weird. work. That sounds about right. That was holograms, yeah. <laughs> it was cold. It, it was cold. It didn't look like 738 either, I have to say. It kind of felt it was maybe four or 500. It was all worth it for that second yeah. goal. I was texting Zach because I thought he was at home. But <laughs> it turned <laughs> out that we were both at the game. But we're just, in a crowd of that size, we didn't see each other. <laughs> but the, the attendance on Wednesday night against Tigris. 16,258. And that was up from the, the game against Red Bulls, which was just 14,183. Yeah. And those are tickets sold. Yes. Yeah. And the Crystal Palace friendly got 14,783. Why, why are we even talking about that? Yeah, That's that, not even that a real I, match. That I don't understand. Because midweek games okay. and quality of opposition. That's why I, I picked then those I don't know, three as an example. still don't know why you're bringing Crystal Palace into it. Or Dead Pre- Bull. Premier, Premier League. And also the way that the Whitecaps crappily deal with their tickets for such games. Touche. That's, that's why I've kind of lumped all three of those okay. together. Well, if we're talking so, about that, why are we not talking about season tickets? Well, no, because we, we don't want to do a two-hour show. Yeah, though. exactly. And we don't want to start you going on about the front office. Well, too, well, too much. well just for season, <laughs> for season tickets, there are people who pay half the price. And don't talk to me about, oh, oh this kind of city, animated. that kind of city. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's triggered. Right. The tennis against Tigris. I was disappointed. This is likely the best team we're going to have seen uh, at BC Place the whole year. Maybe Seattle? No. no. I think t- Tigris? <laughs> Maybe Minnesota United? No. <laughs> that, that's the thing. They'll get a bigger crowd from Minnesota United than they got for a Champions League semi-final oh, against Tigris. But Minnesota United is also on a Wednesday. Oh, is it? It is. <laughs> okay, it is. maybe I won't be so cocky <laughs> with that prediction. Maybe Marius will sell a lot of tickets. To yeah, oh, that's here. true. But I, I, I was disappointed by the attendance. I certainly wasn't alone. If you speak to the management and the players off camera, they can't believe it was only that attendance as well. And... I know it's a competition that doesn't capture a, some people's imagination. Some people don't understand it. The whole American thing of the, the league, the playoffs, that, that's the big thing to, to a number of folk here. And I accept all that, and I do understand that. Which then makes the ticketing decision by the Whitecaps even more baffling. People didn't have the tickets included in their season tickets, and you could argue, should that have been an option for them to get a super-duper cheap deal to, to get their tickets included? In fact, do, do you think it should have been? That knowing that these games were coming up, if we qualified, that the supporters could get it in the season ticket package dirt cheap? Yeah, I think it to- totally should have been. The, the really awkward thing when you talk about those packages for this year is the after last year, think about last year and, and the campaign that it was, this... 
season tickets went up in their per game price. Yeah. So from like 25 and change to like 28 or almost 28 or just above 28 in in uh that's in the the, the white or whatever the white and teal or the whatever like the supporter end and the family end or whatever. So they 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 after that last year, the year that it was, they said we can we can we're choosing to charge more Charge more per game. Well, they have to pay for Robo's four-year contract. Well, are they paying him that much? I I think you should ask him that sometime, maybe. That might not be one (laughs) for our bingo card. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Um, But yeah, maybe 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 it is the reason. But no, but it's it's ridiculous. Up after that season, you'd think they would then offer a sweetener of maybe the Champions League tickets in it free of charge to to people. People were having to pay double for their same seats for a, a tournament that a lot of folk don't even care about. Yeah, I don't know. About, they're never going to come out. I don't know that. about that. But the other awkward thing was, again, they did it with one of these opt-in, opt-out things. And, yeah. I, and I know the guy who does, and I really appreciate the guy who's doing all the hard work behind the scenes for all this stuff. But they did this opt-in, opt-out thing. So people who opted out didn't want to go see another MLS team in a different competition could not get their, could not get the season ticket price for the Tigris match. So I know I know oh, I know that, so, I, did not know. I know yeah, some people that was Mass's, Mass, mean, Mass's Mass, brother. Mass's brother. Yeah. He was he was out of country, so he opted out, came back, wanted to go to the Tigris game, and his ticket was like ridiculously priced and he's like I I'm not going to pay that. See that's that's Because that was its, that was the t- the the Ticketmaster price. It's unacceptable. And you you burn bridges with the support and the the way the team's playing. It's it's been really weird this year. There's a lot of guys, I, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, I, I see guys at uh, SFU games, VMSL games, and it's like white cap supporters, guys I've known for years. I know the they've two all... guys you're talking about. <laughs> it's more than two, I think it's four. <laughs> but they've all given up their season tickets. Right. And that's a small sample, but if that's what's happening with these kind of hardcore people, what's the average person that's maybe having to travel in from Port Moody and like travel and costs and family and what what but, are they doing but see honestly the front office doesn't care about that because their perspective is those people are in highly perceived or highly valued seats will be able to sell them if they if they decide not to renew if they but decide then you've not got to all the tickets that are also going to like secondary markets as well the prime tickets which supposedly they've cut down on but it still obviously exists if you talk to people who have you know all season long new people next to them do you have major concerns just now about the attendance? I don't. I, I think um, the M- the LA Galaxy one uh, kind of showed that people are willing to come out. Um, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I, I think I think there are is concern a little bit with the the casual fan. And I, I sorry, I'll take that back. There is actually concern with the the supporters. I think the amount of supporters we talked about it on another podcast that are not renewing their season tickets and are coming once in a while. That was alarming to me. So I yeah. think I think the casual people that are looking for an event, like the Galaxy, like that that actually think that uh, Beckham is still on the team, um, those, those people are still going to come out. Um, I, I don't know about the supporters. that they're, they're kind of being um, uh, eased on out or something like that, it seems like. So one thing about the ga- the Galaxy game, which yeah. was 25,000, was because I don't know how what the number is. I would assume it's more than 1,000. I would assume it's less than... 
less than 2,000 or maybe less than 2,500 of those seats were for their tournament they were hosting. There was youth teams there. Yeah. And that's so that 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 brings in a significant number of tickets sold. Well, then a lot of people do that the way the like they, they kind of work things in and kind of give one and get another out of that. So it, it it kind of works that way with a lot of teams. I'm sure they do that. So just two questions I want to to post to you in this and then we'll kind of wrap this bit up but they, they need to get more people in. And the way to do that is to offer deals. There's the Groupon deals that they can offer. There's corporate deals. But how do you do that when it's going to be public knowledge that you can get these two-for-one deals or cheap deals or half-price or whatever without pissing off the fans that's already shelled out yeah. full price? So the, they, they, do that, they do that every year usually. Like you'll see uh, mid to late season, you'll have a bunch of the people who work in the front office will post on their social media saying – there's a family rate, yes. there's a or there's a workers uh, company rate or whatever, and they'll push those out at maybe they'll push them out at let's say like group rate, and so they'll sell those those usually in the past there's been a lot of the Wednesday matches or whatever get a Wednesday match at the group rate. But you're right. What see part of what what I understand their strategy to be, to be and I could be wrong on this is they are always trying to push people towards season tickets. So and one of the crazy things right now is is like for just a normal game right now in the supporter end. The ticket is $28 or $28 and change per match for the season. The same ticket at Ticketmaster is $49, which is Whoa. which is unbelievable. Yeah. So, but are folk paying that? Or they're, or they're getting them from, the, again, touts or whatever, yeah. like whatever. whatever. But, like, that, that is the reality. Like, that is the – from what I understand, that's, that's – I haven't double-checked to make sure that there's more charges on top of that for Ticketmaster. But that – so that so what they'll say is, well, don't pay $49. Get a, yeah. get a, get a season ticket. Get a half-season ticket. Get a five-match pack with us. The, the five-match packs and stuff like that yeah. is great. And it's like that is really what they should be pushing more and more and more. And they are, they are trying to do that. They have this city to themselves for the next two months. Yeah, we say that, we've been saying this for seven gone. years. Yeah. Seven years. But like, even looking at WFC2, and I wrote an article about this on Saturday morning or Friday night, like, rallying call, you need to come and support this team. <laughs> and it really worked because we took a 1,000 off the average attendance from last year. So... Of tickets sold. How many people sold? read the article, first of all? About that many. So yeah. I think they maybe all read it and they were like, you know what? I'm not going. If, if he's telling me what to do, I'm not doing it. But how do you get people, this is the second thing I was going to ask, how do you get people to turn out for WFC2? The interest isn't there. And I, I don't want to open the whole thing of like, if folk won't go and watch USL, will they go and watch Canadian PL? That's something about no, we'll no, but, no, they, they will because it's going to be all those people who've, who've left and are, are frustrated. Well, now, now the, all four. Yeah. Now the, the, the all one, four plus. The one thing about this game itself, the Langley game, you got to uh, – I, I don't Paul know how Wittner. much – I know, but how much of an effect did they have that they know that the Whitecaps are playing at 6.30? Are they going to be able to get back to where they are? I don't even if know if Fulton knew the Whitecaps too were playing because I, I think the promotion of it had been terrible. Yeah, well, th- that's the thing. But no, how but, that, but that was connected to they were just trying to push Tigris so much. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like the coaching staff. What are you focus? Are you worried about Seattle coming? No, I'm worried about the next match. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it's like to get the promotion. You can't just rely on the Whitecaps to promote it either, because they can only do so much. At the game, you had like Perry and stuff doing the the commentary, and then you had the Whitecaps communication team doing their Twitter match reports, everything like that. I was the only media person there. 
Nobody else. After the game, I just wandered on the pitch, just grabbed a few folk. So watch for those interviews coming up on AFTM as a shameless plug next week. Where I spoke to Dominic Zater, the Dommy Zater, yeah. and Gloria Amanda. Yeah, he he put out your picture out already. Yeah. yeah. He, he was solid too in that game. But that it's like the media don't care to come and watch. The fans don't care to, to come and watch. Do we just accept it? Do it's just like okay, no one's gonna watch, it's not about that, it's about developing the players, who cares who turns out? Or is it just a growing concern that just all across the club people are becoming more and more disillusioned with it? Well, I think there's people concerned. <laughs> I mean they should they should be. Yeah. If they're not, they should I hope, be. I hope they are. Um Yeah, I, I mean the Long term, uh, I think uh, I think there's lots of things you could do to 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 build the club, and we could talk for hours about that. I think I think short term, the thing that cures and gets people in, in a building is is winning. Yeah, and but you say that, and then WFC two. No, sorry, at the top level, successful season last year. Folks still can. Yeah, at the top level. Yeah, for the first team, for the second team, I think the way that. They've gone about that with not getting into New West, stuck at UBC, out in Langley to connect with a different crowd. Which is also, I mean, I know I make jokes about it being in the interior and stuff, but I actually get there quicker than I, I, I do to UBC. <laughs> Can I pose a question to you guys? And no, with your guys' knowledge of European football, are the top teams in or any teams in, in, in European football concerned about what their second team does in t- attendance? Is it an issue with them? No, that's a good point. Are they ben, ben are they work, are they happy with like the twenty five, twenty six people that show up usually with those games? That's just these five. No, yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point, Steve. They, they aren't, but the problem with with our the way our football club operates is it's at the the bottom line is the only line, and well, so it's so the finances that are being put into WFC two and what it's losing is yeah. a problem, which is from my my outside opinion. Is the is why they looked at moving it, or yeah, why they are looking at moving it, or why they want to shut it? Yeah, especially yeah. if they want to bring a women's team in, which you can argue is also going to lose money as well. No, the, thing, the, the thing is, the the, the is, like you said, there is a concern of where those cuts are going to come from if they're losing money at WFC too, because there will be cuts other where other places in the organization, and that's a guarantee in order to keep the bottom line red or black. Sorry, and I think that's something we can maybe talk about another day. So we're, we're going to come to the end of the podcast pretty soon. It's time now for our wavelength section, though, just before we go. And obviously, last week, Zach was a huge fan of I Ludicrous. Oh, yeah. I've got some more songs from them lined up, but they're more upbeat. You and br- they're not tonight, so don't worry. Okay, you brought a different dirge for tonight? Well, you see, you, you thought that last week's one was a, a little bit slow. So I'm going back to punk. Okay. We're going back to 1993. It's because you hung with Michael W. today, right? Possibly. <laughs> We're going back to 1993. London punk band The Business from their album Hardcore Hooligan. Actually, 2003, sorry, not 1993. 2003. Ooh. So we've actually gone past a millennium. Hardcore Hooligan. This is a song all about how it ties in well with what we've just talked about. Money coming into football, taking the whole soul out of football, the fans getting their souls stripped. This is the business, and Terrace lost its soul. Watch 
Oh, the terror's lost its soul. By the business there from their 2003 album, Hardcore Hooligan. I can roll with that. That is an excellent album. I really recommend it. 12 songs, lots of punk. The song I was going to play tonight had a lot of swearing in it, so we'd have to mark the whole show explicit. Four C words, about 12 F words, a couple of others thrown in there as well. But it's a really good song about Gareth Southgate. Missing a penalty. So obviously, oh, I, I like yeah, that. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought you'd like that. Um, we'll maybe play that one week. But yeah, so that was fun. I enjoyed that. It's got me buzzing, which is just what I want at 12.30 well, at night. We're yeah, working tomorrow. I need to get to sleep. Just hopefully. hopefully none of the listeners have their ears bleeding. <laughs> just to be clear, though, because Gareth has a thing missed more than one penalty. You're talking about the Euro 96 one. It was Euro 96. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Because the, the song is Southgate brackets Euro 96. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, um, just before we go, I just want to say a few things about TSSFC Rovers. As some of you will know, AFTN is the official media partner for TSS Rovers for their inaugural PDL season. They had their their brilliant launch night on, on Friday night, it, which Steve, it looked, you couldn't make it. Yeah, to, but. but it looked fantastic on the on the, on the the pictures and everything. It looked like a good time. And the kits are yeah, really nice. Yeah, the, the, the kits are excellent. I mean, that that's how you bring out a kit. Simple, colours, no triangles. Well, really, colours colors are a good thing to make yeah. I did enjoy... Well, rather than white, we had triangles. I did enjoy their... Um, their Twitter thing where they were like making fun of the like, this is red because it's red. Yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. I, I like the whole unveiling of the thing as well. It's just they had two players up there. Take off their jacket. Yeah, take your jackets Turn off. Turn around. Yeah, it was good. And we've got a video up on YouTube so you can check that out. And every day this month until TSS kick off their PDL season on May 5th, we're going to have at least one article on TSS up on AFTN. Every day, check it out at 6 p.m. We're going to profile the players. They were all announced, kind of all announced on Friday night. All the registrations aren't through yet, so some of them were not allowed to officially profile, but they are all signed. I noticed one name missing that I heard was a possibility, but maybe I'll ask you about that later. Yeah, maybe not on air. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's great. Uh, For me, the most exciting thing is here are... Uh, and here's an opportunity for some of our residency kids. Yeah, uh, you know, the six residency alumni at the moment. There could possibly be another one on yeah. top of that as well. So let's see, uh, Vigeli, probably mispronouncing that. I don't want to call him by his nickname. Um, t- <laughs> Tim Tim Hickson. I'm, I know he wasn't there yet, but he'll be here. So excited to see him play again. And uh, Eric DeGraff, just amongst others. But yeah, Patrick Isaac. Yeah, Andre Bears. It's going to be good times. Marcello Polizzi. Yes. And his brother yes. Matteo as well. So right. we've got a pair of brothers to cheer on again. It's going to be a great season. Kicks off with two games against Calgary Foothills out in the wild, wild west of Calgary. You're going, right? No, I'm not. I think oh. I think it's... I was going to say I think it clashes with one of our games. It's got something to do with the Provincial Cup or something that I'm not going. Oh, right. But the Friday the 5th of May is when they kick off. Sunday the 7th is the second game. The big game that everyone wants to get to, though, home opener, Swanguard Stadium, Friday, May 12th, against Lane United. It's going to be a tailgate in Swanguard. Lots of supporters groups are getting out. The Swan Guardians, Curva, Southsiders, I believe, are going to be there as well. I don't think they're... No, I don't think... Cedric, any, our good friend Cedric, Cedric he'll will be, be there. there with his one man. I don't think any of those group. movements are going to be there, but people from those movements will probably be there. Oh, wow. the, the politics of fan culture. No, it's not. 
it's not <laughs> politics. It's just. But anyway, shameless plug. Get your season tickets. Seventy bucks for the season. That gives you eight games, the seven league games, and a special marquee game. We're calling it a special marquee game because we don't actually have the opponent set yet. But it could be against Curva Collective. I think Zach's put his hand up. That could be. <laughs> that would be. I, I'd watch that. Maybe Crystal Palace will come. Uh, oh yeah. Well, Alan Pardew's gone though, so uh, maybe not. Then. He won't be able to enjoy. Oh no, is it? Big, it's Big Sam, right? Whoever. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, bring, yeah, yeah, bring him over. Yeah, let's bring him back. Maybe the Chinese can fund it. But anyway, check everything out. TSSRovers.com. Follow them on Twitter at TSSRovers. And by Chinese, I meant the Chinese cultural community group that brought over Crystal Palace last time, just for clarification. Nice save. Yes, well, we'll cut that out altogether when we do the podcast. Anyway, that is it for this week's episode of the show. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. I'm Steve Pander, and you can find me at Whitecaps Beat. My name is Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. You can find me uh, at Zachary AM on Twitter, and I'm a part of the movement Curva Collective. And remember to read all our stuff, AFTN.ca, away from the numbers. I'm also the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and the Western Conference reporter for USLsoccer.com. But anyway, that is it for this episode of the podcast. Number 185 is in the books. Thanks for listening. We only went to 12.30 tonight. I think that's uh, we've saved half an hour there. I had a very tight schedule for this. I don't know what happened. But anyway, we've gone over half an hour. But thanks for listening. Take care. And until next time, Mon the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left. Yeah, but-